0: Day 179 of 365, the Bible Challenge with Abbey Joy. Psalm 78, verse 32 to 39. But in spite of this, the people kept sinning despite his wonders they refused to trust him so he ended their lives in failure their years in terror when god began killing them they finally sought him they repented and took god seriously then they remembered that god was their rock the most high was their redeemer but they all gave him but all they gave him was lip service they lied to him with their tongues their hearts were not loyal to him they did not keep his covenant Yet he was merciful and forgave their sins, and he did not destroy them all. Many times he held back his anger, and did not unleash his fury, for he remembered that they were merely mortal, gone like a breath of wind that never returns. Acts chapter 18 Verse 9 to chapter 19, verse 13. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, Don't be afraid, speak out, don't be silent, for I am with you and no one will attack or harm you, for many people in this city belong to me. So Paul stayed there for the next year and a half teaching the word of God. But when Gallio became the Governor of Achi, some Jews rose up together against Paul and brought him before the Governor for judgment. They accused Paul of persuading people to worship God in ways that are contrary to our law. But just as Paul started to make his defence, Gallio turned to paul to Paul's accusers and said. Listen, you Jews, if this were a case involving some wrongdoing or a serious crime, I would have reason to accept your case. But since it is merely a question of words and names and your Jewish law, take care of it yourself. And I refuse to judge such matters. And he threw them out of the courtroom. The crowd then grabbed Sothenes, the leader of the synagogue, and beat him right there in the courtroom. But Gallio... Paid no attention. Paul stayed in Corinth for some time after that, then said goodbye to the brothers and sisters and went to nearby Chentria. Centria. There he shaved his head according to Jewish custom, marking the end of a vow. Then he set sail for Syria, taking Priscilla and Aquila with him. They stopped first at the port of Ephesus, where Paul left the others behind. While he was there, he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews. They asked him to stay longer, but he declined. As he left, however, he said, I will come back later, God willing, and he set sail from Ephesus. The next stop was at the port of Caesarea. From there, he went up and visited the church at Jerusalem and then went back to Antioch. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul went back through Galatea, And Pyrogea, visiting and strengthening all the believers. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. When Priscilla, and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. Apollos had been thinking about going to Achaea, and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers in Achaea, asking them to welcome him. When he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. He refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate, Using the scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul travelled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, The baptism of John. But Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then, when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyranus. This went on for the next two years, so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, Heard the word of the Lord, God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. A group of Jews was traveling from town to cast. Was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord in their incantations, saying. I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 1 to chapter 21, verse 29. About that time, King Ben Hadad of Aram mobilised his army, supported by the chariots and horses of 32 allied kings. They went to besiege Samaria, the capital of Israel, and launched attacks against it. Ben-Hadad sent messengers into the city to relay this message to King Ahab of Israel. This is what Ben-Hadad says, "'Your silver and gold are mine, "'and so are your wives "'and the best of your children.'" "'All right, my lord the king,' Israel's king replied, All that I have is yours. Soon Ben-Hadad's messengers returned again and said, This is what Ben-Hadad says. I have already demanded that you give me your silver, gold, wives and children, but about this time tomorrow I will send my officials to search your palace and the homes of your officials. They will take away everything you consider valuable. Then Ahab summoned all the elders of the land and said to them, Look how this man is stirring up trouble. I already agreed with his demand that I give him my wives and children in silver and gold. Don't give in to any more demands, all the elders and the people advised. So Ahab told the messenger from Ben-Hadad, Had- Say this to my lord the king, I will give you everything you ask for, asked for the first time, but I cannot accept this last demand of yours. So the messengers returned to Ben-Hadad with that response. Then Ben-Hadad sent this message to Ahab. May the gods strike me and even kill me if there remains enough dust from Samaria to provide even a handful for each of my soldiers. The king of Israel sent back this answer. A warrior putting on his sword for battle should not boast like a warrior who has already won. Ahab's reply reached Ben-Hadad and the other kings as they were drinking in their tents. Prepare to attack ben hadad commanded his officers so they prepared to attack the city then a certain prophet came to see king ahab of israel and told him this is what the lord says do you see all these enemy forces today i will hand them all over to you then you will know that i am the lord ahab asked how will he do it and the prophet replied, This is what the Lord says. The troops of the provincial, provincial commanders will do it. Should we attack first? Ahab asked. Yes, the prophet answered. So Ahab mustered the troops of the 232 provincial commanders. Then he called out the rest of the army of Israel, some 7,000 men. About noontime, as Ben-Hadad and the 32 allied kings were still in their tents drinking themselves into a stupor, the troops of the provincial commanders marched out of the city as the first contingent. As they approached, Ben-Hadad's scouts reported to him, ''Some troops are coming from Samaria.'' ''Take them alive,'' Ben-Hadad commanded, ''whether they have come for peace or for war.'' But Ahadad's provincial commanders and the entire army had now come out to fight. Each Israelite soldier killed his Aramean opponent... And suddenly the entire Aramean army panicked and fled. The Israelites chased them, but King Ben-Hadad and a few of his charioteers escaped on horses. However, the king of Israel destroyed the other horses and chariots and slaughtered the Arameans. Afterward, the prophet said to King Ahab, Get ready for another attack. Begin making plans now, for the king of Aram will come back next spring. After their defeat, Ben-Hadad's officers said to him, The Israelite gods are gods of the hills, that is why they won. But we can beat them easily on the plains. Only this time replace the kings with field commanders. Recruit another army like the one you lost. Give us the same number of horses, chariots and men, and we will fight against them on the plains. There is no doubt that we will beat them. So King Ben-Hadad did as they suggested. The following spring, he called up the Aramean army and marched out against Israel, this time at Afek. Israel then mustered its army, set up supply lines and marched out for battle. But the Israelite army looked like two little flocks of goats in comparison to the vast Aramean forces that filled the countryside. Then the man of God went to the king of Israel and said, This is what the Lord says. The Arameans have said, The Lord is God. Of the hills and not of the plains, so I will defeat this vast army for you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. The two armies camped opposite each other for seven days, and on the seventh day the battle began. The Israelites killed a hundred thousand Aramean foot soldiers in one day. The rest fled into the town of Aphek, but the wall fell on them and killed another twenty seven thousand. Ben Hadad fled into the town. And hid in a secret room. Ben-Hadad's officers said to him, Sir, we have heard that the kings of Israel are merciful. So let's humble ourselves by wearing burlap around our waists and putting ropes on our heads and surrender to the king of Israel. Then perhaps he will let you live. So they put on burlap and ropes and they went to the king of Israel and begged, Your servant Ben-Hadad says, Please let me live. The king of Israel responded, Is he still alive? He is my brother. The men took this as a good sign and quickly picked up on his words. Yes, they said, Your brother, Ben Hadad. Go and get him, the king of Israel told them. And when Ben Hadad arrived, Ahab invited him up into his chariot. Ben Hadad told him, I will give you back the towns my father took from your father, and you may establish places of trade in Damascus as my father did in Samaria. And Ahab said, I will release you under these new conditions. So they made a new treaty, and Ben-Hadad was set free. Meanwhile, the Lord instructed one of the group of prophets to say to another man, Hit me! But the man refused to hit the prophet. Then the prophet told him, Because you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, a lion will kill you as soon as you leave me. And when he had gone, a lion did attack and kill him. Then the prophet turned to another man and said, Hit me! So he struck the prophet and wounded him. The prophet placed a bandage over his eyes to disguise himself and then waited beside the road for the king. As the king passed by, the prophet called out to him, Sir! I was in the thick of battle, and suddenly a man brought me this prisoner. He said, Guard this man. If for any reason he gets away, you will either die or pay a fine of seventy-five pounds of silver. But while I was busy doing something else, the prisoner disappeared. Well, it's your own fault, the king replied. You have brought judgment on yourself. Then the prophet quickly pulled the bandage from his eyes, and the king of Israel recognized him as one of the prophets. The prophet said to him, This is what the Lord says. Because you have spared the man, I said must be destroyed. Now you must die in his place, and your people will die instead of his people. So the king of Israel went home to Samaria, angry and sullen. Now there was a man named Naboth from Jezreel, who owned a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace of King Ahab of Samaria. One day Ahab said to Naboth, "'Since your vineyard is so convenient to my palace, "'I would like to buy it to use as a vegetable garden. "'I will give you a better vineyard in exchange, "'or if you prefer, I will pay you for it.' "'But Naboth replied, "'The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance "'that was passed down to down by my ancestors.' "'So Ahab went home angry and sullen because of Naboth's answer. "'The king went to bed with his face to the wall and refused to eat.' What's the matter, his wife Jezebel asked him. What's made you so upset that you're not eating? I asked Naboth to sell me his vineyard or trade it, but he refused, Ahab told her. Are you the king of Israel or not, Jezebel demanded. Get up and eat something and don't worry about it, I'll get you Naboth's vineyard. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name sealed them with his seal, and sent them to the elders and the other leaders of the town where Naboth lived. In her letters she commanded, Call the citizens together for a time of fasting and give Naboth a place of honour, and then seat two scoundrels across from him who will accuse him of cursing God and the king, then take him out and stone him to death. So the elders and the other town leaders followed the instructions of Jezebel that Jezebel had written in the letters. They called for a fast and put Naboth at a prominent place before the people. Then two scoundrels came and sat down across from him, and they accused Naboth before all the people, saying, He cursed God and the king, so he was dragged outside the town and stoned to death. The town leaders then sent word to Jezebel, Naboth has been stoned to death. When Jezebel heard the news, she said to Ahab, You know the vineyard Naboth wouldn't sell you. Well, you can have it now. He's dead. So Ahab immediately went down to the vineyard of Naboth to claim it. But the Lord said to Elijah, Go down to meet King Ahab of Israel, who rules Samaria. He will be at Naboth's vineyard in Jezreel, claiming it for himself. Give him this message. This is what the Lord says. Wasn't it enough that you killed Naboth? Must you rob him too, because you have done this? "'Dogs will lick your blood at the very place where they licked the blood of Naboth.' "'So, my enemy, you have found me,' Ahab exclaimed to Elijah. "'Yes,' Elijah answered, "'I have come because you have sold yourself to what is evil in the Lord's sight. "'So, now the Lord says I will bring disaster on you and consume you. "'I will destroy every one of your male descendants, "'slave and free alike, anywhere in Israel.' I'm going to destroy your family as I did the family of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and the family of Baasha, son of Ahijah. For you have made me very angry and have led Israel into sin. And regarding Jezebel, the Lord says, Dogs will eat Jezebel's body at the plot of land in Jezreel. The members of Ahab's family who die in the city will be eaten by dogs, and those who die in the field will be eaten by vultures. No one else so completely sold himself to what was evil in the Lord's sight as Ahab did, under the influence of his wife, Jezebel. His worst outrage was worshipping idols, just as the Ammonites had done, Amorites had done, the people whom the Lord had driven out from the land ahead of the Israelites. But when Ahab heard this message, he tore his clothing, dressed in burlap and fasted. He even slept in burlap and went about in deep mourning. Then another message from the Lord came to Elijah. Do you see how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has done this, I will not do what I promised during his lifetime. It will happen to his sons. I will destroy his dynasty.